Romans 7 verse 23. But I see another law in my members, warring against the law of my mind. Upon this John Owen says, Sin's importunity and urgency seems to be noted in this expression of its warring. Enemies in war are restless, pressing, and importunate. So is the law of sin. Does it set upon the soul? Cast off its motions, it returns again. Rebuke them by the power of grace, it withdraw for a while and return again. Set before them the cross of Christ. They do as those that came to take him. At the sight of him they went backwards and fell to the ground. But they arose again and laid hands on him. Sin gives place for a season but returns and presses on the soul again. Reminded of the love of God in Christ, though it be stricken, yet it does not give over. Present hell fire to it, it rushes into the midst of those flames. Reproach it with its folly and madness, it knows no shame, but presses on still. Let the thoughts of the mind strive to fly from it, it follows on as the wings of the wind. And by this importunity it wearies and wears out the soul. And if the great remedy come not timely, Romans 8 verse 3, it prevails to a conquest. There is nothing more marvelous nor dreadful in the working of sin than this of its importunity. Welcome to the Bud Zone Podcast. I'm Bud, your host. The Bud Zone Podcast is for, from, and by saints, our buds in the faith. To edify one another in the faith and to encourage one another to love and good works. We discuss the world, we discuss the church, we discuss the faith, we discuss truth, and we do it with the mind of Christ. Thank you for joining us. Welcome to this episode of the Bud Zone Podcast. I appreciate you joining me, and I appreciate the guest I have today, who's not really a guest because he's been on here before. It is, once again, Miller Time. Imagine some theme music playing there. Oh, It's Miller Time on the Bud Zone with Rob Miller. Greetings, brother. Hey, how are you? Good I'm doing morning. Yeah, doing good. <laughs> We are uh, not in the official Bud Zone podcast studios. We're downstairs from that. We're in what I call the Caravaggio wing of the studio, which is because I've got that picture of uh, from Caravaggio, the crucifixion of St. Peter. Ah, ah. I'll take a picture and post it on the episode so folks can see it. Really okay. cool. Very okay. famous. So it Very was famous. in the Caravaggio that we did a previous Bud Zone. Yes. Where we had the reluctant guest. I don't remember that one. Yes, but we've used this room before. <laughs> I come down. It's it, That is perfectly placed for me to come downstairs every morning. And when I turn from the stairs, I see that and think, okay, Lord, that's how I need to live today. Being willing. Deny yourself. Take up your cross. Follow Christ. Because Peter's crucified upside down. I see that, and then in the evening when I come home, 
from the day, I usually have to pass by it and not look at it because I'm like, well, you blew that one today. (laughs) (laughs) So, so thanks for, uh, thanks for coming on here. I don't really even know what we're talking about. We've, we've kind of beat some things around, but uh, it's it's kind of up to you. So yeah, we we've had a couple of conversations over the last couple of weeks that uh, uh, were rather interesting. And, oh, and, it's eschatology. Okay. Oh so, no no no, that's next oh, time. That's oh, next time. Okay. It'll be it'll be much easier than what we discussed today. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have faith. <laughs> So what's on your yeah. mind? Well, you know, one of the things you and I have discussed over the last few weeks has been the upcoming uh, SBC 2022 annual meeting that's going to be taking place in Anaheim, California, uh, June 12th through the 15th of this year. Why do you care? You're not SBC anymore. Well, you know, that's 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 a valid question, okay? Uh, but uh, I'm not SBC anymore. Uh, but I am part of the world, and I am watching. So Now, is that world in the John 3.16 sense, or is that world in the Genesis sense, or is that world in the do not love the things of the world sense? Oh, the first <laughs> John chapter 4 sense. Okay, uh, no. Uh, but... Uh, Anyway, that that's uh, that's been one of our topics of yeah. conversation lately. And and why do I care? Um, I'm not that far or long removed from the Southern Baptist Convention, as you well know. I left uh, the my former church, which was an SBC church, and we had been a part of that church for about 35 years, and I had been raised in the Southern Baptist Church, so. I still have um, some ties to the SBC. I have some wonderful uh, friends and brothers and sisters that are still in the SBC whom I love very much and uh, care about them. Um, but for for my part, my family, we, we just reached the decision not long ago, about 18 months ago, that we needed to depart. Yeah. And so we are where we are now. Uh, because of some of the things that we're going to discuss today. Okay. Well, and I'm, I'm not trying to be goading with that question. We really should care, all believers, whether they're SBC or not SBC. You're former SBC. I'm former SBC. The fact is, the Southern Baptist Convention is the largest evangelical Protestant denomination in the U.S., it has a huge footprint and what it does has huge implications for how both the world and that was the big thing at the convention last year the world is watching the world is watching well what they do signals to whoever may be watching from the world what christianity looks like so it's very important that we pay attention and that we we pray for those leaders in the sbc that they would signal truly what the faith once for all delivered represents so as we talk about the sbc i'm probably going to be on the contentious side that um as a denomination proper i consider it apostate i think it is unfaithful and uh that's sort of the proper you know the denomination proper the sbc elite the organization structure right i don't think it's at all faithful and you know 
you would probably qualify this too. That is not to say, for folks that are listening, there are not faithful churches in the SBC. There certainly are. There are faithful pastors, faithful churches. It's a unique um, denomination in that it's not really a true denomination. It's not a top-down kind of thing. It's not a hierarchy. It's a right. you know, it's a collection, a, a, a cooperation of autonomous churches that come together. Uh, largely for missions. Right. So to say that the SBC is apostate, in my view, is not an indictment on every SBC church because they're not all that way. I've had pastors of SBC churches on, on my podcast, guys that I love, I've learned from, that are faithfully shepherding you know, their churches. So I just want to put that out there before we start because if I say something that I've failed to edit out later... <laughs> Well, see, now, I had already figured in that I needed to put in a disclaimer because usually when I say something like that, you're very quick to correct me and remind me that there are still faithful pastors and faithful churches within the SBC, and and I know that to be true. Yeah. So... But, so what do you got? Go ahead. You, you know, I'll sit here and one one of the things that you and I have talked about here recently with this this uh, annual meeting coming up in Anaheim, uh, they're going to be electing a new SBC president uh, during this annual meeting while they're in Anaheim because the SBC president uh, Ed Litton is not running for what has been a traditional second term and and the plagiarism task force got him i guess uh there wasn't one i'm just making that up but um you know and and it's curious that if, if what i have read is correct this is the first time in 40 years that that has taken place where a sitting sbc president has not run for a second term really yeah so Forty th- years is a biblical generation, yeah, by the way, for the Hebrews. It is, yeah. It's, you know, forty years in the wilderness too. So, mm-hmm. uh, anyway, uh, but the candidates is is kind of been one of the things that you and I have discussed over you know the past few weeks, and there are some pros and some cons, and and. Uh, Whereas I look some somewhat at the pros, you have presented somewhat the cons, and so kind of want to get into a little bit of discussion over so that. You're charging me as the pessimist. Well, yeah, and I'm the post millennial guy. I know, and you're supposed to be optimistic <laughs> about things. So, which you being the pessimist is is kind of unique. Okay, all right, <laughs> but I think you'll do a good job at it. So. <laughs> I'm gifted. <laughs> yeah. So uh, anyway, the main nominee that you and I have discussed, and, and we're going to talk about not just the SBC president, but another office that uh, they'll be electing in Anaheim. But Tom Askell is one of three nominees to replace Ed Litton as president of the SBC. And Askell is president of Founders Ministries and the pastor of Grace Baptist Church in Cape Coral, Florida. Uh, you and I know of of Tom. I've had opportunity to meet Tom Askell at G3 last September, October, yep. and again at Ligonier this past March. 
talked with him briefly and and uh, had you know a brief conversation with him even at Ligonier talking about this in particular um, I don't think it had been publicized at all that he might possibly be a nominee um, for SBC president uh, while we were at G3 but by the time we got to Ligonier in March that had you know been put out there yeah and so i asked him about it and we had a short discussion about it and and uh, the interesting thing that you and i have talked about is that the nomination announcement was signed by nearly a dozen southern baptists many of whom are leaders in the conservative baptist network or the cbn yeah uh, the two candidates running against tom askell are bart barber pastor of First Baptist Church, Farmersville, Texas. He actually replaced uh, Willie Rice, pastor of Calvary Church in Clearwater, Florida, after a crisis involving a former deacon at his church. And the other, the third candidate, is Robin Hathaway, who is a former missionary for the IMB. Mm-hmm. Now, I said there was an, another office that they're that they'll be electing a president for. So, in addition to the SBC president, the 2023 SBC Pastors Conference president will be elected in Anaheim as well. Most notably, at least as far as I'm concerned, among the nominees for this position is Vody Bacham, and. Bauckham is Dean of Theology at African Christian University in Lusaka, Zambia. Uh, the statement supporting Bauckham's nomination, like Askell's nomination for SBC president, is signed by several members of the CBN. Mm-hmm. Okay? Now, according, I was reading uh, something uh, in the last few days, and, and, and I found a recent March 22 publication uh, from Capstone Report. Yep. And, quote, Askell and Bauckham will help turn the SBC away from wokeness and back to the Bible. I'm all for that. Yep. And uh, all in an effort to reverse what is seen as a liberal drift in the SBC itself. And you and I have had some discussions about that. Somebody said there was no li- liberal drift you, in the SBC. You know, I had... It was uh, not someone from Issachar, by the way. No, no. <laughs> the man from Issachar would have recognized the times. And, well, yeah. I don't think this particular individual that said that. And And what was said was... There is no perceived liberal drift in the SBC. And my contention to that is if you don't see a liberal drift in the SBC, you are either blind, deceived, or you're part of the problem yourself. Yeah. Yeah. If it's going the way you want your narrative to go, then it's not a drift. Right. It's a plan. So... In our discussions of the past few weeks, here's here's the question that we've kind of rolled around and discussed. Are Askell and Bauckham the right men at the right time to return the SBC to its commitment to conservative theological values, or 
Are they simply rearranging the deck furniture on a sinking ship? Yeah. Well, I, you know, and as we have discussed this, um, and if people hear that beeping, it's my wife going in and out of the back door and the alarm goes off. Um, it, I'm not backing up. I'm saying it's just the door. That's uh, a whole different kind of beeping anyway. So yeah, that's it's, true. it's pretty constant. Yeah, yeah it's the, the trash truck as it backs up. Um, no, I love Tom Askell. Uh, absolutely faithful man. And I've met him and we've had some conversations. Um, he's, he's exactly theologically where, for the large part, where we would be. Um, Vody, I mean, my goodness, they need somebody in as president of the pastor's convention, if only to serve as an example of this is how you actually do it. Mm-hmm. Because in most cases, I think people, and, and you and I know this firsthand, but most people sitting in the pews, they're being told they're getting expositional preaching, right. and they're not. Um, well, Vody, he will unleash, and it will be the exposition of the Word of God. So that would be a, a glorious example that maybe the Lord would use. Um, it's sad that what all those seminaries are putting out are not guys who know how to do that, even though that's what they're being told, I think. Well, this is what expositional preaching looks like. Largely, it's hard to find. The The thing that we've talked about, and I've got it pulled up here, the, uh, the CBN. Uh, and, and folks can go to <clears throat> conservativebaptistnetwork.com. A lot of great articles on there. A uh, lot of, of uh, influential folks on their steering council, people mm-hmm. that we would, we would respect and, and mm-hmm. are thankful for. Um, they've got a special section on there discussing the issues surrounding the Anaheim uh, National Convention that's coming up. But I thought, let me read. Here's what the website says under the category of what we are and what we are not. It says, we are Southern Baptists. Okay. Mm-hmm. We are Southern Baptists. We are an avenue where like-minded pastors, churches, organizations, and individuals can partner together voluntarily to influence the SBC to fulfill the Great Commission. Okay. But, I mean, not really any issues on that. Uh, it depends on how you define like-minded and what the basis is for that, but that's their, right. that's their call. What we are not, we are not a new, a new denomination. We are not a blog or social media page existing solely to air grievances, because I don't know if you can get enough megabyte space on the, on the cloud <laughs> to air the grievances that are legitimate. But we are not a blog or social media page ex- existing solely to air grievances. We are not a competitor with other like-minded ministries. And we are not, final point, a group exclusive to one soteriological view or another. So as you and I have, dis- as you and I have discussed this previously, it appears to me, and, and I'm not well studied in this. I haven't read everything that's on their website. I, I hear it. I trust Askell. I trust Vody. I trust some of the other men that are on there. The whole sense that I get from the conservative Baptist network is that it's not being grounded theologically to be conservative. It's social, 
political, cultural conservatism, which is good. There's, there, I'm not saying there's nothing wrong with that uh, because that's where we would fall. Mm-hmm. You know, we're going to be social conservatives and political conservatives. Uh, we think this is consistent with what Scripture teaches, the principles uh, out of the Bible. So that's all good and fine. But if your question is, are these guys at the right place? I think they're very capable. And I think there is no barb I would shoot at either one of those two men. My concern would be um, you need to look at what you're dealing with largely in the SBC. It is not merely critical race theory. It's not merely can women preach. It's not merely uh, the issues that the ERLC has, you know, fomented. It's not merely social, cultural, liberal issues that we're combating. We certainly are. I see the problem in the SBC as a matter of theology. It it, It needs to be driven to repentance, to faith, a return, a robust return to, to Scripture. And I don't really see anybody pushing that. Now, I know Tom Askell would believe that. Vody would certainly believe that. So is the CBN, which has made this note that we're not exclusive to one soteriological view or another, is this merely just sort of a politically and socially conservative group? And that's the angle that they're trying to attack um, what they see as a, as a downgrade or the liberal drift? Well, okay, maybe so. But I just don't think the Lord requires repentance uh, and obedience, uh, faithful obedience to his word. And largely, you look at the SBC proper, the organization, they're not doing this. They're doing everything but that. Yeah. Am I wrong? Uh, no, no. And that's, that's been a question that you and I have discussed over, over the course of weeks. And, and uh, you know, what is the real motivation here? And... and uh, where there are some theological differences between, say, a Tom Askell, Bodie Bauckham, and some within the CB, even the CBN, yeah. they're willing to put those things aside to, to achieve a particular goal. Um, and so it kind of, what I call it is, you know, the enemy of my enemy is my friend, you know. So are we going to join together for a common goal? And then once, if that goal is achieved, what happens at that point? Do those theological differences come, you know, are they brought to bear? Yeah. Yeah. I I mean, that's a legitimate question. I I don't have an answer. You don't have an answer. We're going to see how the Lord has this play out. Um, You know, when, when, Askell's name was first mentioned. If you remember, I think it was actually Vody's name that had been originally mentioned yes, as yes. a potential candidate for the presidency. And there was all that debate on whether is he actually still Southern Baptist. Yeah. That obviously got resolved. He, and he even said, you know, he, he uh, I'm not even sure that I'm qualified to be nominated for SBC president because he was not a member at the time. Uh, of a Southern Baptist church. Yeah. He is. Uh, he founded a Southern Baptist church, uh, pastored at that church. He still speaks 
uh, periodically at that church, but he was sent by that church as a missionary to Africa. Mm-hmm. So anyway, when Askel, uh, when his name came up, Honestly, and folks can email me or message me, whatever, but this is the first thing I thought of. I thought of John the Baptist at the edge of the Jordan, and here come the Pharisees and the scribes, and his comment to them was, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? Because when I see the SBC at large, I see the Lord's wrath just being unfolded not as bad as I think it can get, but I definitely think the Lord's judgment is on the SBC for all these grievances that this website is not designed to air. But my thought was, it's under judgment. You don't run towards wrath. You you do flee wrath. And I'm like, so what is Askel doing? Because I trust him to be a faithful guy. And I think his motives and his, his reasoning for even considering it and accepting a nomination, I think they're noble and good and right. I have absolutely no doubt that um, he's doing this from the standpoint of faith, trusting the Lord to work out whatever the Lord's going to work out. If he prevails winning the presidency or he doesn't, uh, I, I, I'm, I just have my suspicions. I, I, yeah. I have a dear brother that's a retired Southern Baptist pastor, and he and I for years now, and people may not like this, but we've been praying that the SBC would split. It needs to split. It needs to split on theological grounds because there is so much error in it. There is so much worldliness. And now with this 2019 adoption of critical race theory, we can use this. It is going mainline. It is, it is re- retreating from the faith. Right. And there are faithful churches there, but a lot of them are leaving. You and I, we talked about, you know, the most notable being Josh Bice. I mean, mm-hmm. he, he, praise Mel. He's, he's, he and those elders have led the church out. Um, and he took a lot of flack for that from, from within the SBC when he decided to lead his church yeah. out of that. And he and, he and Tom are, are, are great friends. They're great brothers. They, you know, they've done ministry together and continue to do ministry together, I understand. My my view is we need to let the embers burn down and let the Lord move the faithful out of it and reconstitute on the basis of sound doctrine, biblical theology, uh, and faithfulness to Scripture. Uh, those churches that would move in that direction, praise God for them, thank the Lord for them. But I, my view is this thing needs to needs to burn down and the remnant remaining. Be blessed by the Lord, because that's giving an example to the world. Yeah. Yep. Okay. Let me let me read this to you. This this is a post that was recently I read on on social media uh, by a brother in the faith, and this is what he says. And I quote: "The true headquarters for the Southern Baptist Convention is the local church." Big Eva of the SBC needs to heed this. What's your response to that? Well, because of the structure of the SBC, that's exactly right. Yeah. Um, it, it's a, it is a, an affiliation of autonomous churches that come together for the purpose of missions. 
And now you're even seeing there, there, I think there is a motion. I did read a little bit of the 2022 book of reports, which just came out the day before we recorded this. But um, I think there is a, a, a resolution to rename, which this has been out for a few years, to rename it no longer Southern Baptist Convention, but Great Commission Baptists network or convention so you've got autonomous churches which is the heartbeat should be Mm. of what goes on in the convention but the average size of the church is so small that when you have forty six thousand of them it's very easy for a wealthy i mean you're talking hundreds of millions of dollars that flow through cooperative program it's easy for those guys at the top to use that for their own purposes um and things get compromised along the way. It, it operates like a top-down uh, denomination, I think, because it has the money at the top. Right. So I, yeah, I, my, my, I, I think you're. I would, whoever said that, I, I would agree with it. Yeah, in theory, you know, I, I would agree with it as well because, in theory, it's true. The uh, Southern Baptist Convention is made up of individual, autonomous, or self-governing. Uh, churches uh, working in cooperation for the furtherance of the gospel and for the furtherance of the kingdom of God. Uh, And that's how it's supposed to work. But the reality is, it doesn't really work that way. The SBC is directed by what I would call elitists who uh, have put themselves in positions of authority and appoint others who are like-minded, sharing their ideologies, their agendas, in positions of authority as well. So the average person in the pew, and this is what has been my observation, my experience when I was in the SBC, the average person in the pew has no idea what the issues are. And there may be a couple of reasons for that. You know, some... Uh, who may possibly know what the issues are, they don't really concern themselves with those issues. They, they uh, say, well, you know, we have leaders who deal with such things, and so they don't concern themselves. Yeah, I think you're right. Uh, we have, uh, and, and, and sadly, there's not enough biblical discernment in the pews to raise the voices in the local church. Well, I have two things to say about that. Okay. First, I would say that your observation that they are largely detached and unaware of what's going on, I think is abundantly clear from the 2019 convention where you had all these messengers raise their little ballots to vote for critical race theory as a legitimate analytical tool. Those people had no clue what CRT was. That's right. they were trusting the fact that, oh, our resolutions committee has endorsed this, and they say we need to adopt it. And so those messengers, unaware of what it truly is, adopted it. Now, that's ignorance. Mm-hmm. Tom Askell, praise God for founders in the ministry that they've got, because they came out unleashed on this thing. And, and they have explained it, and they have educated a exactly. large group of people, not only in the SBC, but outside the SBC, because it's not just there. It's all over evangelicalism. We could talk about Tim Keller. <laughs> we could talk about you know a number of people. But so they've done a wonderful job with that. So your your comment about 
the average person in the pew being ignorant is true, but even their messengers at the convention, they were clueless. And the second point um, with regards to I, the pews are biblically illiterate in SBC churches, but I would argue that's because their pulpits are biblically illiterate on the whole. Like, again, qualifying not every church, but on the whole, I think they are. And if they're not, they are dismissive of what they do know about Scripture and what they ought to be doing in the pulpit with Scripture for the sake of catering to men and pleasing their public and filling the pews and all that. So, Yeah, that, you know, your point regarding Tom Askell and and, uh, Founders Ministries, you know, he, he has been faithful to uh, stand in the pulpit or uh, through his podcast, Sword and Trowel, yeah, uh, and make people aware of what the issues are and educate them and refer back to Scripture and why this or that is not biblical and why we need to be discerning and make decisions based on what Scripture tells us. He's been faithful to do that, and there are some like Tom Askell, who are faithful to do that. They are true, what I would say, are true shepherds. Yeah, oh yeah. You know, they they proclaim the gospel truth, and they protect the flock. And that's the job of a shepherd. Yeah. Uh, A true shepherd will not only proclaim the message of Christ, but he's going to protect his flock, and he's going to point out where the dangers lie. And he's going to keep his sheep from falling into those snares. Yeah. And I would defer to Tom because I I don't know his thinking on this. So I'm not attributing anything to him. Um, I I don't want to be unfair in in suggesting anything because I I trust him. I think he's a faithful Mm -hmm. guy. My, My real question is, why do you want to save the SBC? What is there worth saving as a as an organization? I don't know what his answer to that is. I've heard some others, guys who had been on the executive committee, and pragmatically I understand their answer, which largely was tied to the financial investment that average Southern Baptists in the pews have made to build all these seminaries, Mm -hmm. to put in place all the structures that they've got in the agencies and and, – so we don't want to just hand all those assets over to a liberal denomination, which is if it doesn't, if the Lord doesn't intervene and stem the tide of this, uh, it's going to be liberal. It is liberal now. I think it's apostate now yeah. at the top. So what is it you see that's worth saving? And and that's the question I don't I don't know the answer to. I've heard that answer. We got to save all the investment of dollars that we put into these into these institutions and facilities. Yeah. And I'm I, like, oh, I see that. I'm not sure that. Uh, I, I think I read, and I can't recall where, um, sorry, but I think I had read as far as, you know, you referenced the footprint of the SBC earlier. And, and uh, with respect to those institutions like the seminaries and, and the uh, international mission board, the North American mission board, uh, those missional entities that are funded through the cooperative program. I want to say that the article said 11%, somewhere around 11% of all world missions 
is Southern Baptist, mm-hmm. and I would have thought it would might have been a little bit higher than that. But the other thing that kind of grabbed my eye was they claimed that one-third of those seminary-trained pastors out there are trained in SBC seminaries. That's a lot. Yeah, boy, that's scary. And and so but, well, it's scary because you got you got guys like Al Mohler who will sit on a panel with John MacArthur at a shepherds conference and deny that critical race theory is being taught in his seminary when the very man the following year would introduce the resolution to the convention for CRT. You got guys under Al Mohler that are actively teaching CRT. So uh, is that a lie? Yeah, I think that was a lie. And and I think it was uh, it was unfair. I think Moeller is a, a guy that I haven't had enough a fondness for for years yeah. because he he's very he's one of the smartest guys in evangelicalism. But he reads the crowd, and I think he says what he thinks that crowd in front of yeah. him wants to hear. He's kind of like you know, let's sit on the fence. Right. Uh, and there's a brother I forget who it is that every now and then will pop up on Facebook with this. Uh, meme about the fence, you know, you can't be on the fence. The fence belongs to the devil. That's I mean. <laughs> right. That's right. You know, it's, it's, you're either for Christ or you're against Christ. If you're on the fence, the fence belongs to the devil. Yeah, yeah. And, so, you know. Um, but, you know, there there was a time that Al Mohler uh, was thought to be the answer to the SBC's problems. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, and, and uh, he is a smart. You know, I remember... If you go back a few years, um, Shepcon, every year, Al, oh, yeah. Al Mohler yeah. was there. Ligonier, you know, National Conference, Al Mohler was there. Yeah. Uh, and, and since all of this has evolved uh, with critical race theory and, and social justice and all these things, he has broken fellowship with those involved in Shepcon and Well, and notably the whole issue at the Shepherds Conference where he got all testy was because he had refused, along with Mark Dever, Ligon Duncan, Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. those guys had had refused, and and I don't say refused as if it was a fight. They they didn't like vigorously come out against it. They just failed and wouldn't sign the the Dallas statement on social justice. Um, And that was the question that Phil Johnson had had ask all three of them actually and and Moeller got really testy yeah uh, he did and and as a result you don't see him at Shepcon anymore you don't see him at Ligonier anymore um, and recently together for the gospel held their last national meeting yeah uh, it is for all intents and purposes no more yeah and the year before that Al Mohler had withdrawn. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I found that to be kind of curious. But, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, that there was a time when Al Mohler was was thought to be uh, the answer to the SBC's problems. And and, uh, there was, going back to the Capstone Report again, there was a January 2021 commentary published by the Capstone Report titled, Al Mohler is not the answer to the SBC's problem. Al Mohler is the problem. And 
I found it interesting that there was there was an uh, an illustration provided with that commentary that depicts all of the SBC upper level appointments and their ties to Al Mohler. And uh, oh, this is the map of the U.S. Yeah, the and map of the U.S. where and, he's and where his like, guys are. Yeah, and 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 I found it you know kind of kind of interesting just just to read through that. But uh, the curiously enough, the illustration itself was dubbed "How the Molar Baptist Convention Was Formed," and uh, Al Molar, you know, was appointed to Southern Baptist Theological Seminary in 1993. Danny Aiken, who happened to be Al Molar's academic dean, was appointed to Southeastern Baptist Theological Seminary. In 2004, Tom Rainier, Moeller's Dean of Missions and Evangelism, went to Lifeway in 2004. Kevin Ezell, Moeller's Senior Pastor, went to the North, North American Mission Board in 2010. Jason Allen, who, who happened to be Moeller's Vice President of Inst- Institutional Advancement, went to Midwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2012. Russell Moore, Moeller's provost and dean, went to the ERLC in 2013. David Platt, Moeller's fellow The Gospel Coalition council member, went to the International Mission Board in 2014. Paul Chitwood, Moeller's state convention executive director, went to the IMB in 2018. And then Adam Greenway, who was Moeller's Dean of Missions and Evangelism, went to Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary in 2019. Now, I don't know a lot about some of these folks, uh, but you don't have to be, you know, have a doctorate. You don't even need to be a biologist to see there is a connection here. All are Al Mohler's protégés, all appointed to high-level positions, all to either SBC seminaries, missions organizations, uh, publications and media uh, in Lifeway, and the Commission on Ethics and Religious Liberties. And, oh, lest we forget, all funded through the cooperative program by the true headquarters of the SBC, which is the local church, you know, going back to yeah. that quote on social media. Yeah. Yeah, there are, uh, well, there are definitely, I, like you, I, I, I don't know a lot of detail about some of those guys, but some of them, I mean. Some of them are problematic, and not just problematic, they're very problematic. Uh, <laughs> Russell Moore? Come yeah. on, he's the... You know, he's the icon of well, democratic, liberal, apostate Christianity. I mean, I, this this guy is now he's out of the SBC now, though. I oh, mean, of course. You know, he left. Yeah, he 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 um, made his exit after writing a letter, and oh, and a staged leak. It, yes, you know. Well, I mean, this is the democratic operative. It's uh, you know, it's 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 a. Southern Baptist Convention, a evangelical organization that is meant to proclaim the gospel and further the kingdom of God, doing business like the world. 
Yeah. Well, of course that's what they're doing. It, it's a worldly organization. I mean, they can tout from the top down all they want about it being a great commission organization. Well, I just don't have confidence they even have the gospel right. You know, why am I going to fund when Platt is president of the IMB? I don't have any confidence that they're not inculcating critical race theory mm-hmm. alongside the gospel. Why mm-hmm. would I want to support that? You yeah. can't recognize this. And he's an advocate for CRT. I mean, he's destroying the church he's in from what I've right. seen. And actually, I'll give a kudos and a shout out to folks that want to know more. Capstone Report, Alan is doing wonderful work there. Go read. Go. I mean, he's got all kinds of research and insight um, mm-hmm. into what's going on. But, yeah, I mean... This is back to my question. What's worth saving? Yeah. I mean, do you have confidence that the North American Mission Board is actually preaching the correct biblical gospel? Or is it this compromised kind of gospel? Right. Is it a gospel that is infiltrated with CRT, with intersectionality, with uh, repent of your whiteness? Is that the gospel that they're preaching? Well, it's false. So there's... I don't have any, I don't hear anybody asking that question, but I think that's the fundamental thing. You're going to support an organization as a as a Christian denomination. You you need to start with what is the gospel. So when you have a group like CBN that is supporting, and again I'll say I think it's right to have conservative cultural, social, political uh, positions. I think that's right. But if you're trying to deal with a Christian denomination. You can't dismiss soteriology. You, you can't say we'll take anything and everything. It's not about theology. And soteriology, of course, from the standpoint of our experience, this is where our faith begins. You know, I, I can't help but turn to the second chapter in the book of Revelation, picking up in, in chapter 2 and verse 4 and following. But I have this against you. You have abandoned the love you had at first. Remember then how far you have fallen. Repent and do the works you did at first. Otherwise, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. So that's what's needed. It's it's repentance. And I guess, yeah, no, absolutely. So would you say the lampstand's still there? I would say it's still there at this point, but unless there is repentance, you know, uh, the SBC may not be anymore. Yeah, very soon, and and it truly saddens me to say that. Well, yeah, that is a sad thing because if if they were to do what the Lord is speaking there in Revelation, that admonishment. What would it mean the SBC would go back to? Well, it wouldn't go back to a CBN statement that says, we don't care what your soteriological view would be. It would go back to what the SBC was originally, which was overwhelmingly Calvinistic and confessional. It's not now. In fact, for years, everybody thought that if the SBC did split, it would be over the issue of Calvinism. So egregiously has Arminianism crept into the denomination it didn't creep it leapt in that that now you you can't really be bold and vigorous with what scripture clearly teaches 
from the standpoint of soteriology. So if they were to do that, they would return to Calvinism, and they were largely confessional. Um, yeah, they've got the Baptist faith and message, but theologically and doctrinally, you can drive pretty much any truck you want to. Look at Beth Moore preaching on Mother's Day. Mm-hmm. You had all these guys in the SBC justifying that within, presumably, the parameters of their own statement of faith. So I'd be all for seeing them return to a correct understanding of the gospel, which would be a Calvinistic understanding of the gospel, and to a robust, historically orthodox, and more reformed uh, confessional statement. Mm-hmm. So that's what I think. <laughs> okay. So let me ask you this. I, I would thank the Lord if Askell prevails in the, in the presidency, and if Vody prevails for the presidency of the pastor's convention. Uh, I think that would be, it, it would be almost a respite from the Lord to the convention if through those two men some doctrinal soundness could be restored to the denomination proper. I think that'd be great. And I know that there is a vigorous movement, largely fomented rightly by the CBN to get people to Anaheim to vote for that. Mm -hmm. But what are your thoughts if he doesn't prevail? If Askell does not you mean if Nam sends another bus load? Oh, it'll be plane loads. <laughs> <laughs> and after they get their free Disney tickets or their discounted Disney tickets, which I just can't believe, even before all the Disney nonsense kind of hit the news, you're actually <laughs> going to offer discounts to messengers to go to Disney? It's not like they just suddenly turned worldly but anyway that's a different thing what do you think happens if askel doesn't prevail uh what happens with the convention have you seen anything about what that aftermath might look like i haven't read or seen anything uh, that might indicate what would happen if they're not successful um you think askel for his church alone, do you think they'd leave the SBC? Because the the easy charge will come, oh, you're a sore loser. Yeah. You didn't win, and yeah. now you're going to you know, take your marbles and go home. I don't know, but I would not expect Tom Askell to just up and decide, okay, we're leaving the SBC. Well, he's a fighter. In the, in the right he, way. He is. Uh, you know, he's, and that's one of the things that I admire about Tom Askell. Um, you know, he loves, I think he truly loves the SBC in the same manner in which the Apostle Paul loved the Jewish people. He, Paul had a love for Israel. Um his desire would be that all of Israel would come to repentance. And I think that's the desire Tom has for the SBC, that they would all come to repentance. Oh, I believe that. I, I believe he believes that. I believe he prays for that. Yeah. Uh, and and Vody as well. Right. My uh, 
concerned, not really with this this issue, but more largely with the church um, and its kind of approach to culture. It has been compromise. Mm-hmm. Uh, certainly the SBC. I mean, you can't pick a segment of culture where the SBC has largely not compromised. There may be a couple of ex- exceptions. Um, you know, abortion, which recently has <laughs> become a big deal. They haven't really compromised on that. Although you have voices within the SBC and former like Russell Moore, um, who is trying to, I guess, nuance all this with regards to abortion. But I think largely the, uh, you know, the church, uh, the evangelical church and the SBC certainly is a part of that. They're very eager to compromise. And here's my concern. I just don't think when we read Scripture and we understand um, going all the way back to Genesis 1 where we're told to have dominion, when you get to the Great Commission and Matthew and the Lord says, you know, disciple all nations, we're not supposed to find common ground. We're supposed to take the ground. Um, So the compromise is very distasteful. And I actually think that's what the Lord is kind of talking to in revelation that you read Mm -hmm. you know you don't there's no common ground you're on my team or you're not on my team and on my team you win um and it's interesting let me read this because people some people that know this may want to give me some abuse over it i read this um uh late last night it's a quote from a book called the days of vengeance and this is a commentary on revelation Hmm. now it's a post mill perspective i i agree with it but i think most christians would agree with this but the author is david chilton uh who died i think when he was 49 years old but anyway uh here's what that quote says quote the revelation meaning the book from which you just read the last book of the new testament canon the revelation speaks powerfully today And its message to us is the same as it was to the early church. That, and he's he's quoting uh, Cornelius Van Til here. He says that there is not a square inch of ground in heaven or on earth or under the earth in which there is peace between Christ and Satan. Mm. That's the end of Van Til's quote that our Lord demands universal submission to his rule and that he has predestined his people to victorious conquest and dominion over all things in his name. We must make no compromise and give no quarter in the great battle of history. We are commanded to win. Hmm. The church really doesn't have that posture. Yeah. The church doesn't really think that way. We are in the kingdom. We are under the king who rules and reigns right now. Why should we not take the ground? Am I too far off in saying that for a Christian to compromise, he or she is proving themselves to be ashamed of Christ. And what does Scripture tell us? If we are ashamed of him before men, he will be ashamed of us before God Mm -hmm. and the angels in heaven. Yep. 
not a good <laughs> not claim, a good place to he be. Will, he will not claim us as his before God and the yeah. angels. You know that. You know it's it's not an issue that you can compromise on. You know, I, I've gotten. You know, I hear people all the time talk about. Well, you know, we've got these gray areas. Well, there are some areas that are, and and I would say most when you look at scripture, are black and white. Oh, yeah. You're either for God or you're against him. You either belong to him or you don't. Scripture is largely, almost exclusively, thesis and antithesis. It's always um, that way. Now, our circumstances may produce gray areas for us, which means, well, we need to really dig in and find Mm -hmm. out what biblical principles apply that can give us guidance in whatever that gray circumstance may be. But the things we're talking about, Rob... The compromise is not on gray area issues. No, it's it's on the black and white it's issues. It's on fundamentals. Yeah. Yeah. And, and unless the SBC repents, he will come and remove that lampstand. And, and, and it is arrogant. I mean, it is absolutely arrogant for us sitting here today, no matter what church or denomination we're part of, to think that he would punish his chosen in the Old Testament when they turn from him to idols and give us a pass. I, absolutely. And we could spend another 40 minutes going down that path because it's eschatological <laughs> too. <laughs> um, well, like I said. But, but I, I think you're right. Now, um, I would just say... To, to be faithful to the text, I don't think there's a lampstand even to exist in the SBC as a denomination. The Lord is speaking there to an individual church. Right. Um, and I think of the 46-some thousand churches in the SBC, a lot of them do not have lampstands anymore. Mm. I, I think they are gone. Um, the pandemic closed down a lot of them. They never reopened. The Lord closed down a lot of them. <laughs> well, he used, and he, he used that. And some of us are praying that he does more, uh, <laughs> shut down more of them, eject these pastors, either save them or eject them. I mean, you know, there is a right and proper place for mm-hmm. imprecatory prayers. But the pandemic, yeah, you're right. This was the instrument of the Lord. And look how many churches not only fail to understand the biblical principles of what, you know, this is the thing. So many of these churches that shut down, not just in the SBC, and they had noble good reasons. I'm not questioning everybody that did this, but the fact is what it signaled to me and to the world, I think, if anybody was paying attention, is that, oh, well, Jesus may be the Lord in the church, but he's actually not Lord over the church. It may be the governor who is, or the CDC, or the... Oh, so he's Lord in the church. No, he's Lord over everything. That's right. And and so we signal the level of our faith. Well, I don't think that we need to, um, I don't think that we give ground. I don't think we search for common ground. I think we take ground. And and I hope that that's what Askell would do. I hope that's what Vody would do. Those guys are certainly capable and, and gifted by the Lord uh, and, and faithful. So we'll see how it plays out, uh, and we need to be much in prayer. 
for those that we know that are in the SBC, for the pastors that we know that are in the SBC, whether we think they're hirelings or not, we need to be praying that the Lord's will would be done on earth. As it is in heaven. Yeah. So we're not abandoning the world. We're to conquer the world for Christ. Newsflash. The Lord's will will be done. (laughs) Absolutely. Wow, this has been fun. What else you got? Did we get through all your notes? You know, we we we've got through some of them. There's there's a couple of different uh, things that uh, you and I have discussed over the past couple of weeks, but uh, we could be here another two hours uh, getting into those. I mean, there there's a whole lot of stuff going on out there, and some of it, you know, is is tied to the SBC. Um, some of it, you know, this this whole thing with Tom Buck, you know, that to me was an absolute travesty. Uh, nothing more than a character assassination. Which was him. fomented by SBC elites. That's exactly right. Tom's a faithful you know, brother to Tom Buck. He is. Uh, he is. Uh, that has been wicked. Yeah. And uh, I caught a little abuse for, you know, I think I said that uh, Karen Swallow Pryor, she's kind of like the Whoopi Goldberg of the SBC. Uh, I, I think the woman is wicked. She, You know, if you go back and remember, she was uh, uh, a proponent, an advocate for the uh, LGBT Revoice Conference. Right. Um, really? Well, I can't really square that with uh, with Scripture. Uh, and and her involvement with this thing with uh, with the Bucks, yeah, you don't see smoke without fire. Yeah, I you know I'm not sure I would equate her to the SBC equivalent of you know Whoopi Goldberg, <laughs> but I would definitely say and tell you that based on her actions and what she did, that the spirit of Jezebel is alive and well. That's worse, Robert. So, go, go post that, and all those people that attack me, they'll come after you, maybe. Okay. They'll, they'll so, just, yeah, that, I mean, I, I, how sad. You know, be praying for Tom Buck and, and for Jennifer. The Lord knows what's right. That's right. The Lord knows what's truthful. Vengeance and, is mine, saith the Lord. And uh, all things do work together for good, and and those two folks know that. Mm-hmm. And uh, I just pray they're girded up with that solace from the lord and that promise from the lord roe v wade happened you got any pithy wisdom you want to share on the roe v wade another leak speaking of ksp why go ahead and give me that uh doug wilson uh quote again that you uh read to me a couple of days ago oh yeah um i gotta find it so please hold a moment I'll, because, ins- I'll or you can hum a tune while I'm because while I'm I, looking I, I for think it. I think there's more to that than meets the eye. I mean, overturning Roe v. Wade, great, that's fantastic. But so this is what what Doug. Um, I guess I forget what day that. What, what I don't remember the date, but anyway, this was on May the second. So it had just happened, um, the leak of the apparent opinion that was forth, that are, is still forthcoming from the Supreme Court. But Wilson wrote, uh, quote, If Roe has been struck down, then glory to God. Mm. But sit tight. 
The unprecedented leak means that we might be watching the outside rings of some unprecedented palace intrigues. Hmm. Sit tight. Use discernment. But then I liked what I liked what Daryl Harrison said too. I haven't seen Democrats (laughs) this mad since the passage of the Emancipation Proclamation. (laughs) You were going to say. No, I just, you know, I, I think that if it is overturned, that would be a wonderful thing. And, and uh, I'm, but there's more there than meets the eye. Uh, things, you know, in government like this, things are leaked for a reason. You know, who leaked it? And what is their ultimate purpose for doing so? And and the thing that bothers me most is that if you look at what we've been discussing for the most of this time, the SBC, things are leaked in the SBC with an ulterior motive. Ah, uh, yes. Russell and, Moore, yeah, and, KSP stuff, yeah. And at that point... How do you tell the church apart from the world? Right. Because the motives and the methods become the same. And when you go back and you read Jesus' parable about the wheat and the tares, I naively for years believed, you know, or thought, that when you talked about wheat and tares, you were talking about the pews. That's not the case. There are as many tares in leadership as there are in the pews. Oh, yeah. Well, um, the thing that, and we've talked about Russell Moore briefly, but he came out with an article in uh, Compromise Today or Christianity Today, I think they still actually try and call themselves, an article dealing with this this row leak. Uh, And folks ought to go read it, and they ought to read it with some discernment because what he does um, is makes the argument that the issue of abortion, and he says, quote, abortion itself is the sign of a dangerous loss of trust. Now, what is the dangerous loss of trust in? Um, He says, if in fact Roe is overturned, those of us who are pro-life must work to convince our neighbors that we can and will love and protect both mothers and children. Okay. Sounds okay. In the absence of trust, all that's left is power, and that path is what led us to an abortion culture. And it's the past that has led us to this moment of cynicism, an inability to even believe what our leaders have done or said, much less to trust their, their motives. In the end, abortion and institutional trust are not really two separate issues. So we have abortion, according to Russell Moore, it appears, because um, <laughs> fornicating adults don't trust the government and they don't trust the church no 
Russell, that's not why we have abortion. It's because we have a, cult, a culture of Moloch, and uh, we worship the idol of self, and it is because of a simple little thing that the Scripture is pretty clear about, sin. Right. We don't need to restore institutional trust in the government. Uh, certainly the church should have some in institutional integrity. Largely it doesn't right now, but that's not going to solve abortion. It's going to be repent and believe anyway. All right. Anything else? What are you reading now? Uh, let's see. I gave you a copy of Ruler of Kings by I haven't Joe gotten, Boot. You I haven't read that? No. I, you know my cue is about <laughs> this this tall. And and uh, I'm, I'm actually I'm working on a couple of different projects at the house. So I kind of put my reading extra biblical reading anyway i do my scripture every each day but i think i even said this on the last time we we had a bud zone comment but i'm still working through the kingdom of god (laughs) (laughs) well praise god (laughs) and uh we'll learn it so you can teach me i'll read a couple i'll read a couple of chapters and and then i'll put it down and i'll go work on some projects and stuff and think about it and whatever and then i'll pick it up and read another chapter and then i'll come on the bud zone and you'll ask me when i'm reading and i'll tell you well i'm still working through the kingdom of god i have an uncle oh for years i mean literally for two decades this man has been traveling and going on vacation and all this with the same book that he has never finished and it has to do with the assassination of john f kennedy he's been reading it since the 60s i think (laughs) i'm like Joe, you ever finish? Oh, no, I haven't. Boy, there's a lot to this. Okay. <laughs> oh, goodness. Well, brother, thank you for uh, for time. Well, today. Thanks, uh, thanks for having me on again. I, you know, I enjoy doing this. Uh, anytime, because uh, we got to get the Miller's Own podcast going. Uh, no, I don't think that's ever going to happen. Yeah, Miller time. You, uh, yeah. No, no. Uh, there's... there's uh, other folks out there that uh people need to hear from besides me but i enjoy just coming on here and chatting with you from time to time oh yeah well it's fun and uh i appreciate folks listening i do have a lot of uh interesting godly faithful folks uh lined up to interview my problem is that it's difficult to get the editing done and because i work to accommodate some of the schedule some of these folks have with trying to record during the week it's hard for me to do that you work um i yeah i, I, I knew I you work. had a job but well you, you actually work. oh i see what you're doing there yeah. <laughs> <laughs> i think with that we'll end and we'll privately chat about that chastisement <laughs> i just got so Hey, coming from a retired federal employee, it doesn't mean a whole yeah, lot. See, <laughs> and that's the thing. You're retired, and you're still working on the same book you were working on a month ago. Yeah. Well, My goodness. I have projects. Yeah. Well, you know, projects. You know how projects are. Paul told Timothy, discipline yourself for the purpose of godliness. I'm not saying you don't do that. Mm-hmm. No. All right. All right. Well. Closing comment. No. No, I don't have anything. uh who do you have coming up, by the way? Well, I have, I don't want to say because if they hear this and don't like it for some reason and back out, then I've kind of obligated. 
<laughs> I've kind of <laughs> obligated them to do. But some really great, some great folks. Okay. Good, um, good. Some uh, pastors. Um, uh, one in the SBC. Um, I have an episode coming up uh, that we're kind of working through on the issue of transhumanism. Mm-hmm. That I am really keen to hear some insight on. Uh, a lot of wickedness with that. Some other pastors, some laymen, and uh, I mean, I'm excited. I love hearing yeah. what the Lord is doing. I really don't like what you and I have just done because I've talked too much, and I don't have enough wisdom to hold forth. So it's not about Bud in the Bud Zone. It's about Buds in the Our faith. Buds in the faith. Yeah. yeah okay. So that's what it is. So. All right, sir. Thank you very much. Hey, you have a wonderful day. All right. And that concludes this episode of The Bud Zone. The Bud Zone podcast is a member of the Christian podcast community where you can find scores of biblically sound podcasts for your edification and encouragement. Go to christianpodcastcommunity.org to discover more. You are now leaving The Bud Zone. Thank you for listening. God bless you. And just a reminder, no doctrines have been harmed during the recording of this show.